مهین تاک آفت شهپر مهوش پریوش چه بد کرد غلط کرد شوور کرد So Mohammed here today we have the night watcher the night watcher or just night watcher the V makes me feel better we're gonna go with that the night watcher or night watcher is your aka as an artist yep that's it how long have you been doing this for now since 2006 about 14 years uh, I started doing graffiti as one does uh-huh. being born and raised in Ekbatan Ekbatan is a little sort of yeah. well-known renowned residential complex in the southwest of Tehran. Uh, yeah, I used to go out at night uh, canvassing interesting walls mm-hmm. to create stencil art on. And I got the nickname The Night Watcher from my friends because I only went out at night to do my nefarious things that I did. Admit to criminal, I don't know, is it criminal in Iran? Everything could be criminal. It could be criminal. Yeah, it could, yeah. could be everything. Could be. Do we need a another <laughs> disclaimer? Oh, we're gonna do that. This before, is not right? legal advice. Yeah, we've already done that. We've already done that. Recently, things have changed, and uh, I follow you on Twitter, and I've been seeing uh, hashtag NFT popping up and uh, various colorful animated gifs. Gifs, I guess. Gifs. Yeah. yeah. Some would like to call it gifs. No, there's no debate. It's gif. Yeah, I yes, because I'm on you don't team. say graphics, do you? Exactly. You say graphics. So, hashtag NFT is what? Hashtag NFT. Uh, I think to talk about what NFTs are, we'll need to go back a bit and talk about cryptocurrencies. And you did an episode, a really interesting episode. We did on Bitcoin. Yeah. Yes. And With Mustafa, who came and joined us, check mm-hmm. that episode out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, things have changed a bit since Ethereum blockchain has gotten really big. And so Ethereum, sorry to interrupt there, is like, so we have Bitcoin, for example, which is one type of cryptocurrency. Ethereum arguably is number two. Uh, and the slight difference there is... Ethereum offers a platform to create applications on the cryptocurrency blockchains. And you can do everything. You can do decentralized exchanges. You can do decentralized finance. You can hold and own digital assets. Now, NFTs are digital assets. That's the short answer. And they range from artworks, gaming assets, domain name services, metaverse assets, such as real estate. Metaverse real estate is really big. People mm-hmm. are making a lot of money buying and selling metaverse real estate right now uh, on places like Decentraland. All of that became possible with Ethereum blockchain. Okay, can I just add and correct me if I'm wrong? Ethereum here uh, is popular or known for its ability to have smart contracts. And that's, I would say, a big difference between bitcoin bitcoin just by its dominance is is a good thing but the difference with ethereum uh vitalik am i saying his name correct yes. the creator of ethereum he wanted to have a situation whereby you a certain criteria would be met categorized digitally and when those moments would be met payments would be made and that would be tracked and stored and on its own blockchain yeah exactly one of the differences is the ability to host smart contracts, a couple more, uh, such as Cardano, Mm. have this ability. These are 
a bit newer than Ethereum. Another difference is Ethereum, in order to mine it, you're going to need a lot of power, mm. uh, a lot of electricity electricity and environmentally that has been causing a lot of concerns eventually leading to china completely banning bitcoin hold on a minute china care about pollution and things <laughs> yeah you'd be surprised I, i'm yeah. sure that wasn't the reason yeah. why they banned it but... i thought i was going to be the funny one tonight and oh i'm wrong <laughs> sorry mama you I hear in. funnier stuff <laughs> sorry i beat yeah. you to it yeah, the stated objective was environmental issues and it's speculative market. Mm-hmm. Now, there's this fiction writer called Neil Stephenson. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. guy is really wonderful. He has written a couple of books. One's called A Young Lady's Illustrated Primer, which is a steampunk sci-fi book. Okay. Another one is called Snow Crash. Mm-hmm. And both of these kind of predict what we are experiencing in Young Ladies Illustrated Primer, Stephenson talks about a world where there are no governments, just mm-hmm. a bunch of private that, colonies. Yeah. Sounds good. Keep talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason why this happened is because new economy based on cryptography, according to the writer, mm-hmm. has come about. And uh, the main function of governments, which is controlling and maintaining the uh, national economy has become obsolete. Mm-hmm. So people are living in private colonies. Mm-hmm. And in Snow Crash, he talks about the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And you got to pay attention to the fact that a lot of people who are building what we are using read these books in their teenage era. So in Snow Crash, the writer details even the user interface of what we know as Google Earth, both mm-hmm. on metaverse and the 2D plane. It's totally accurate because Mm. guys and gals who made Google Earth, they read this book. And the metaverse thing, if if you watch Zuck's video on changing Facebook to meta. uh, Totally natural. Totally natural acting by him. Did you see the video, Mohammed? No. Well, it is said that Zuck is of the lizard people. So no, (laughs) no, it's not people. But anyway... um, what the fuck ever happened to Second Life? What's Second Life? I have not heard Why am I just showing your age? Yeah. <laughs> We've moved on. we moved on from... Yeah, Second Life is this virtual life. Yeah, it has its oh, own economy. I think that there has been attempts on getting the metaverse going. Mm-hmm. And bits and pieces of it come about. Like one of the things... A few years ago was Google Glass and they shelved the project for privacy concerns and again privacy they- concerns it's <laughs> get, it's getting Google, funnier yeah. yeah Google worrying about privacy uh, I mean amazing <laughs> Google sorry, Glass go on <laughs> Google Glass is some next level shit you have camera equipped glasses that capture people's portraits and pull up their whole internet presence i'm pretty sure google would run it there were two concerns the blinking light on the glass that that device being too big and people being uncomfortable in front of it and the battery exactly so it was supposed to be a variable like the smartwatch mm, yeah it was supposed to rely on the smartphone but then again it was too soon back in the day for that and now zuck is looking into augmented reality and virtual reality as he said connect our regular lives to well, the virtual. So actually, Pokemon Go is bridging the 
Yeah. Exactly. Or, uh, yeah, exactly. or I might say, I might say, I think it was in 2000, 2001, I came across Habbo Hotel. <laughs> this was nuts. Of Basically, I was online at the same time with probably several 12-year-olds. Oh, dude. Stop with the pedophilia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, be careful when you edit this one later. This <laughs> yeah. is going to get tricky. But uh, basically, you would build rooms and you would have your own rooms and people would come and visit and it would be a, a metaverse in a sense. Gentlemen, sorry. We need to backtrack a little bit. So, hashtag NFT, just to interrupt you there is uh i mean stands for something it stands for non-fungible token like. well it's not fungible fungible yep. yes so these are no so as in non-fungible fungible 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 <laughs> in this case so they're unable to be faked it gets its name from the comparison with actual cryptocurrency tokens which uh-huh, are yeah. fungible uh, and the inherent difference is most of these, basically all of these, are one-of-a-kind tokens. Okay, so this is a new world, in a sense, as far as things digitally are concerned, because if I'm not mistaken, we refer to this world or realm as being Web 3.0. So Web 1 would be just protocol, uh, regular internet dial-ups, calling someone, getting a response. The, the best example, in my opinion, would be Yahoo's first homepage. Yeah. So, so what's interesting here is Web 1 doesn't become Web 1 until Web 2 comes along. Exactly. Because uh, it was just Web before that. And Web 2 is uh, the introduction of, I guess, interactive features from people. So chat, you tagging. You can type shit in. Yeah. I guess en- engagement features. Yeah. Now we move on to Web 3.0. Prior to Web 3.0, the big companies, I guess, would be the owners or the landowners in a sense. And now with the advent of NFTs, you can possess something in its uniqueness and trade that as a uniqueness. Exactly. Big companies are the gatekeepers of Web2 and they would love to become gatekeepers of Web3, but it's highly individualistic, the, the whole culture and economy of cryptocurrencies and NFTs. And it attracts a lot of people from far right to far left because in the political realm, we feel this disillusionment that is happening. People with different ideologies are becoming disillusioned with central governments and institutions, uh, whether if it's a good thing or bad thing, that's for another podcast. Mm. But it becomes really appealing to all of these people, these uh, trend leaders, to mm-hmm. have this freedom and have this type of ownership uh, in the special case of artists, for example, if you wanted to sell an artwork through a gallery, you get paid once. Mm. And however many times this artwork is sold, you don't get anything. Mm-hmm. But if you sell the same artwork through an NFT smart contract, you can set this in the smart contract that I'm going to get 15% for each transaction. Yes, and there is a term for this, which I always forget. Residual. residual yeah, residual returns or income or something like this. Yeah, it, it's called, on the platforms, they call it royalties. Yeah. And both the NFT market and this particular feature uh, has changed the lives of so many artists. Uh, we're talking about multi-generational wealth being accumulated. Hmm. And uh, 
And that's not just art. People are trading gaming materials, gaming assets yeah. such as Axie Infinity. Yeah. Hiring people to play for them and basically yeah. work for them as players in the game. Again, I'm going to reference to fiction, Ready Player One. Yeah. And it's coming true. So they're kind of like farming on behalf. I, I don't know what the term is. It's not farming, uh, but where people, I think in Singapore, is it where they play in games and they're, all they're doing is they're grinding and therefore they get items within the game and then sell them on. And their job is to grind, I think is the term, within the game. Exactly. A friend of mine who does Axie Infinity told me that a very large Indonesian community is present and they do that kind of stuff for a cut of the res- resources. Yeah. And there are domain names. They're called ENS. A lot of people very recently made a lot of money on ENS, yeah. Ethereum name systems. Yeah. As in a DLD, a top level domain. Uh, exactly. It's .eth. Yeah. So um, people bought that cheap and there was... this is meta upon meta now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Still, it's in, in its infancy. And as it's convention in the space, everyone says we're early. Yeah, but it has the potential of becoming something completely life-changing uh, in terms of how we look at the world and how we view it. Just like uh, some of the things that we experience that have this correlation and root in Web two, like TikTok. If you revive someone who died in two thousands and just sit him here to listen to people talk or look at them while they're on their phones. They won't have any idea what's going on. Yeah, I think certainly I'm a gamer, although Yegis, who we had on the show, would disagree that I'm a gamer. I, I play, agree with her. I play Pokemon increasingly less, all right? Get off my back. I'm playing it less. I've been busy these days. That's true. <laughs> and, but um, So I've been following gamers and they often talk on Twitter about how NFTs are really going to change the game. You saw what I did there. Yep. Once you can participate in a game and essentially have it as an income at yeah. the same time. And something that should also be added on to something you said earlier is that once you get on board as somebody who is involved in NFT, you yourself become that promotional tool for exactly. an NFT. So this is very likely to, as we say, blow up uh, as far as a lot of people getting on board because they have a vested interest. They're going to be taking it further. And that probably brings me on to the point of, hey, why the hell are we talking about this? And what the hell has it got to do with what we're doing here today? Which Good is, job doing that because I was going to. Oh, you're about to do that now? Yeah. You do it. You do it. Let's, let's, let's do it at the same time. No, I was going to stop you from talking any further and getting back to the point of this do it, podcast because oh, then it's going to be weaving like, in. Mohammed, make it shorter. Make it shorter. Make it concise. Why are you meandering? No, we are not meandering. You are meandering. I was bringing it right into the subject. Yeah, at minute 29 of the recording. Now you're outing the minute. So bringing this to home, Mr. The Night Watcher, you are in possession of these NFTs, several of them. You've claimed them as being NFTs. How many did you have? I think it's more than 70 pieces on OpenSea platform alone, both things me and my lovely wife mm-hmm. created and what we collected. Mm-hmm. And we're active on another platform based on the Tezos blockchain, which okay. uh, used to be called Hiketnunk. Ah, and it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> and there has been some issues between the developer team and it has forked 
into different platforms. As in it's been copied, the code's slightly been altered, and they've continued on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, these are marketplaces, okay. quintessentially marketplaces, which allow you for a nominal fee to sell and buy yours and other people's NFTs. So help me out here, because I need to put this out there. You've done your lovely GIF, or GIF, yep. whatever your persuasion. Now, uh, I kind of like that. Right-click, save as... Stick it on my desktop, pop it up. I call myself the day watcher or just day watcher. Yep. And, uh, and that's it. I'm making money off of you. But can you? Can I? There's this thing, digital ownership. That's what essentially NFTs are facilitating. Okay. In the traditional art market, you have a certificate, artist certificate, mm -hmm. that certifies that David owns a piece of my work. Now... This is on a piece of paper, and it's usually for your eyes only to see. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're collecting NFTs, it's public data. Everyone knows how many NFTs you have, you're the owner, when you bought them, how much did you buy them for, stuff like that. And that explicitly states that I was the creator and you were the collector. Now, if you right-click and save, it's kind of like a counterfeit piece of art. Okay. You may make money off of it if you're a really good forger and a really good marketer for your forgery, but still not the same thing. Or okay. it's kind of like you buy, buy Mona Lisa posters at the Louvre. They don't cost as much as the actual Mona Lisa. Yeah, I mean, I could paint just as good as that. I'm sure you can. But I'm not going to get the price for that. So I guess authenticity, people wanting to buy something authentically the case by having a mechanism that can sort of mint something in a sense, that exactly. can sort of coin it, I guess, exactly. is using the terminology here. Then that, in a sense, gives it value. Everyone acknowledges that value. That it is public, weirdly enough, conversely enough, actually helps it because it makes it like public domain, I guess a bit like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The ledger is there for everyone to witness and, and to see. So yeah, it can be done. It's probably frowned upon. Uh, I'm sure people do do it, but there's, you know, what's the point? Is it, who's the chap? Cyberpunk? Is that his name? Um, his, she, it? I think there has been a lot of attempts because the whole market is less than a year old. Mm -hmm. But what made the whole NFT thing mainstream were CryptoPunks and Board API oh, Club. And there, there has been a lot of spin-offs like Philosopher Punks and all this mm. stuff, but none of them, uh, interestingly enough, have managed to claim the prices that CryptoPunks, where we're talking mm. about a million dollars, more than that. Visa, the company, spent $150,000 yeah. to purchase a CryptoPunk. And Board API Club, completely different stories. And these are what we call PFPs, profile picture, algorithmically, generated through a set of assets and resources, uh, usually number around 10,000 pieces each collection. And people seem to like him a lot. Mm. They have become part of the culture, part of the NFT culture, and they are being used even as collateral for loans so I've and heard. houses yeah, and stuff so like I've that. Mohammed, well, you've seen these CryptoPunk. Some you, of them, yes. Can you I don't describe, usually look at them. Can you describe a CryptoPunk? I see them and I turn my head and I look the other way and I press control W or command W, then I'll move on with my What life. is it that bothers you about the crypto box? Actually, they're, they're really annoying. I, I'll have nightmares. Yeah, the, the, the neck is a bit long. I mean, the neck thing is a yeah, bit... Sorry. And I, I've seen some people, 
try to create photorealistic representations of CryptoPunks. And I love every single person who's brave enough to create something in this space. But tastes are different. I like darker stuff. Some people don't. Can I just add that I think CryptoPunk is the Rothko of the digital NFT realm. People call it digital renaissance. And mm -hmm. if you want to go with this analogy, I think you could say like Michelangelo of NFT. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Well, I was way <laughs> off with my Rothko. Um, let's bring this home to Iran. Yep. So how integrated would you say is Iran with this new world of NFTs? Like any other uh, marginalized community, Iranians have a sizable presence on the NFT community. And some of it is because of the sanctions and the currency exchange rate, lack of access to international banking systems. So it makes a lot of difference. And I see and I have seen a lot of creatives quit their work to go full time on NFT. And it's here uh, in Iran. Yeah. And in my humble opinion, it's re it's a really good investment. Yeah, and you kind of done that yourself, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I quit my job to become invested. I, I did a bit of crypto trading as well. That's not solely NFT. But even talking solely NFT, a graphic designer, a good graphic designer in Iran makes about, what, $300 a month? Mm -hmm. That's like the top of the payroll. Yeah. And, and that is now probably... 40 minutes from now, it's going to be 286. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So you experience the unsavory conditions of work for a creative uh, and uh, the lack of job security and everything and the exchange rate because you're, you're in a rat race with the currency rate dropping. So, so uh, inflation in yeah, the Iran inflation. being... Let me just give you the audio example of how inflation is in Iran. Holy shit. <laughs> well, after a while, it will turn into sounds of pleasure. You're used to it. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. I'm sorry. There you go. That was my artistic rendition. That was good. Because we're on the good. subject <laughs> of how inflation feels in Iran. So uh, a lot of Iranian creatives... Uh, that I know have moved to the NFT space and the, the community is extremely supporting. I mean, if you consider Twitter as a black hole of wildness, the NFT community so is... So polite about Twitter. <laughs> this, uh, the NFT community is this little land of sunshine and honey and care bears. Sounds good. But uh, okay, so th there's, there's an interesting point. We need to know a little bit about the landscape of art in Iran. Now, I'm going to make some statements, and I'll probably upset a few people. Iran, I think, gets more than its fair share of attention related to art for two reasons. One, for the, ah, hey, look at them with their headscarves. And number two, uh, money laundering, to be frank. This might be a tricky subject to go into, yep. and we can delicately step around that. But I partly also bring this up because... NFTs more so increases the opportunity for money laundering, which I don't think is too outrageous to say in the art world. This is a phenomena that happens. Really? Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know, being having a public ledger, does that also, does it counter it at the same time? Let's talk about 
Money laundering? Money laundering in, our, in Iran. Awesome. <laughs> we can. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm by no means an expert. <laughs> but money laundry has been a huge part of art because art in itself is a non-fungible token. Oh, so delicately put. This is good. Keep going. <laughs> it, it has status and it has elegance. So you don't usually look for uh, unsavory stuff in the artwork, but that's where it is, hmm. both overseas and in Iran. Well, as you mentioned, having a public ledger helps and the community is totally different. Now, we got to get back to how the traditional art scene works. Uh, the contemporary art scene is fed through institutions. And we have this uh, wonderful piece that I think Guardian did on how basically CIA created the abstract expressionism movement. Allegedly. Interesting. Allegedly, yeah. Uh, they funneled a lot of money, government money, to... Uh, Pollock. Yeah, to... <laughs> <laughs> Down the drain. <laughs> in in a splattery type emotion like yeah. down the drain. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually a big fan of abstract art, but um, get up! <laughs> no, get seriously, up. stop talking. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I, I create abstract art, but facts are facts, and these artists, being wonderful in their own rights, um, they got they got caught in a cultural war. The story goes that. Uh, Back in the 50s, the Soviet Union became the cultural capital of the world. And the Americans were seen as uncultured peasants. Has that changed? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Two listeners just cut off. (laughs) (laughs) We lost 50% of our audience. Yeah. Talk about... Mr. The Night Watcher, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. It was an opportunity. I couldn't... By all means, I'm all for mocking the powerful, and the Americans are the most powerful nation right now. So, yeah, uh, interesting. Okay. If it goes on like this, not for long. (laughs) Anyway, but they wanted to find an alternative, and they found a good alternative. Mm. A A couple of guys in one department funneled money through these foundations, like the Rockefeller Foundation, and made a lot of, ironically enough, left-leaning artists such as Pollock and Rothko really rich, either them or their estates. These are good artists, but they wouldn't get that much attention at that certain point of time if it wasn't for the Cold War. Hmm. This is what I take from that investigative piece on Guardian. No, absolutely. So it's not something new. Hmm. It's going to happen again different cultural forces, the tug of war between those who look to future and those who want to revive the glory of the past materializes in this sort of thing. And it's going to be present in the NFT world, but it doesn't make it easier. Okay. Neither crypto nor NFTs make money laundering easier than it is. In my personal opinion, it makes it cleaner. I mean, Hmm. uh, a lot of what we know as the black economy goes through like sex trafficking and illicit drugs and stuff like that. I I think less people will be hurt if Hmm. those activities come on. Those people who are doing those harmful things to people launder their money through 
any means they find, including NFT. So not necessarily. And also you sounded like an advertisement for a washing machine. <laughs> so, it makes it cleaner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make it any easier because <laughs> being a mother is the hardest job on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mr. The Night Watcher. Again, just for somebody who's not familiar with the Iran art scene, there's quite a vibrant, I would say, art scene here yep. in Iran. So Fridays will be the Gallery Gardi uh, moment. So people will go around for the openings. Mm -hmm. And there are various, uh, you know, large respected galleries. Everyone goes downtown, I think, is where mostly these things are happening these days. And uh, yeah, they do the Gallery Gardi, so touring of uh, mm. the galleries. Do we have a specific digital or NFT-related gallery here in Iran among these many sort of vibrant galleries that we have here? Not yet. I've seen attempts by Iranian artist collectives overseas to create exhibitions. And inside Iran, small-time um, small galleries have... I mean, I've seen posters. I haven't seen the shows. And personally, I think it defeats the purpose. Because it's a bit like they're fighting against one another in a sense. We're talking about something being online and people wanting to bypass, probably, or pre preferring to bypass the cut that the, they would give to the gallery. Uh, would, would you say, in a sense, that galleries might be a little bit sort of, you know, frightened or perturbed by that? Yeah, exactly. I, I think any disruptive te technology has this ability to make the established centralized order uncomfortable. And it goes for, uh, when we're talking crypto, it goes for insurance industry, it goes mm. for banking, the whole banking industry. No one hates crypto more than heads of central banks around the world. And for art galleries, because most of the galleries uh, are basically the curators and middle people of the art market. Yeah. And you transfer this whole thing on the algorithm, basically. Yeah. The computer does it for you. So I, I can understand why they wouldn't be so eager to jump in headfirst in the NFT game. But arguably, the, the, the savior for them is for them to get ahead of the curve, in a sense, no? I mean, I'm, my speculative assumption would be like embrace it i mean i mean you're <laughs> Find a way to monetize out of it I, I have realized that people essentially in temperament are divided into two very broad categories the people who are comfortable with new stuff and the people who are looking for the glory of the past the laggers the nostalgic the yeah. conservatives yeah so i think from your perspective and knowing you for a while i i, I can understand you would have that perspective but people who want that glory of the past, they would love to do anything in their power to dismiss it or disrupt it or stop it. Hmm. It's being progress? NFT in particular and progress in general, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Because essentially they are, again, these ideologies, it's a tug of war. By no means I'm passing moral judgment here. At some point, the progressives win the tug of war at some point the conservatives do mm. and usually they make life harder for the other side mm. conservatives because of their innate lack of flexibility do more so mm. i think you could probably draw an analogy with web 2 as we described it earlier with the embracing of their sort of engagement features in the advertising has seen a bit of a sort of shake up with respect to influencers 
coming in. So these are people that, you know, get X amount over 100,000 followers, for example, and then they become the media, they become the voice, they become the medium, the message with these things. And that shook up the way advertising happens. And in Iran, a lot of advertising, or at least in the meetings that I have, what they do is they, they plow a lot of money into influencers. And actually, they get a very good uh, sort of response. They get good feedback, you know, one story by, you know, a well-respected liked influencer can really make a big difference. You know, bang for buck, it's super expensive. But if you can align the brand and the influencer well, these things can be beneficial. So I guess NFT, in a sense, with respect to galleries and artists, you know, the artists themselves become the influencers, in a sense, and they can take the lead role. But you spoke about the community, and I want to link this back in again. Can you sort of describe features of the Iranian NFT community? One of the most interesting things is uh, almost everyone speaks English because they have this opportunity non-existent for many of artists. Because in the traditional art scene, you had to have really strong gallery support and there are a handful of galleries in Iran that do international shows. Mm -hmm. So uh, your chances as a young artist uh, to have an international audience so far have been close to none. Mm -hmm. But right now you get a Twitter account, you get a Clubhouse account, you have a bit of an ability to speak and write in English. And mm -hmm. again, the community is very kind. They don't mock people for their accents or for their typos this is really remarkable and they go all of these creatives go and talk to people find different collectors from india to canada to thailand and uh, this is an opportunity that has not been present before mm -hmm. great another thing is we're constantly seeing new collectors pop up mm. Uh, some of these artists who have been successful in selling their pieces are giving back to the community, supporting uh, younger artists, uh, supporting newcomers, investing them. Um, there's this idea that, okay, th it gets a bit technical. When you try to mint your NFT on several platforms, you have to pay a transaction fee on Ethereum called gas fee. Mm -hmm. And depending on how busy the blockchain is, it can sum up to a sizable fee, $200, $150. Some of these artists began creating funds for newcomers. Mm -hmm. It's like a piggy bank. They donate Ether to that piggy bank and artists can use that to mint their first works and yeah. like get, get a head start yeah. per se. You mentioned something interesting there and it's something I noticed whilst looking at what I believe are the two major platforms for such things one being foundation.app yep and the other OpenSea. yep uh something i've noticed through uh looking earlier today is the thing you said about the uh, community helping one another out something i noticed was that artists are buying each other's work so it's a trickle down effect to be able to i guess expand the community, keep people in pocket, keep things going. Are you noticing that in Iran? I mean, Iranians, like the bigger players are sort of like trickling it down? Exactly, exactly. And for, again, for a marginalized community like ours, uh, because the value of these cryptocurrencies are skyrocketing, I mean, overall, we have been in a year-long bull market. Ethereum, previous November, it was $400. Right now, it's... 
$4,000. I've, I've got Ethereum and I, I just have never looked at it, but it's, I looked at it the other day. I was like, bloody hell, that's a huge oh. amount of profit I made off of that. David, you, maybe you should start collecting my stuff. I got some of Ethereum course. hanging. Okay, so you should see how much I bought at the beginning. When I say, yeah, I made a, like a, you know, I made thousand percent profit. I bought like ten cents worth at the beginning. Do not advertise it your wasn't, cryptocurrency. It wasn't that. But it, anyway, it's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Of, of course, it's not financial not like advice. That. But no, I'm not talking about that. I mean, people oh. get kidnapped for their cryptocurrency. So, I mean, even if you have big cryptocurrency, don't advertise it. Really. Yeah, yeah it's a bit. This early. is actual advice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you might find yourself in a basement what? with electricity to your balls. But, you, but, but going back to Ooh, something, you where said, do I sign Kinky. up? <laughs> going back to something you said, I mean, the blockchain and open the public ledger means you kind of can't avoid that situation. As far as having NFTs, are concerned. there have there have been scams and there have been uh, hacks and stuff like that. Most of it is because the technology is extremely safe, but uh, because it's new. And because it takes some time for people to learn about how they can be cautious with their money, because it's not the responsibility of a bank or another entity to protect your money for, for you. Yeah. So your key, yeah. your coin. Okay. Well, that's the case if you have your own key on your computer or on your hardware, hard device. Hardware wallet. Hard oh, yeah, on, on hardware. Mm. Yeah, did, Otherwise, did, basically, the, the company you rely on to hold your wallet is... A sort of a, a customer. No, 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 no. Uh, when, when, we're, when we're talking about uh, wallets, the company has nothing to do with whatever's in your wallet. They're offering a technology. It's like a company that makes safes. They, they make the safe, but they don't own what's in the safe. They don't have any control over the safe. But when you have your cryptocurrency stored in a wallet on a platform. Essentially, you don't own it. No, you do. You have access to it. No, you own it. It, it. If you have the key, if you have the seed phrase, no one can touch your stuff unless you give them the key or the seed phrase or the explicit permission to do so. Now, I would counter that by saying that one major cryptocurrency wallet have threatened to freeze my account because I accidentally opened the app up in Iran. Which I have lost that? cryptocurrency Coinbase. on Coinbase. 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 Okay, guys, as people who are in Iran, please do not do business with American entities. They are so vulnerable to the sanctions and stuff. And these are not coin. <laughs> coin set it up. I didn't expect that this would be a real. Yeah, like I, when I set it up, this was not the case. Even I mean, like I uh, happened to not be able to prove that I live in the States when they asked for the documents and they not only froze my account, they took the crypto and they shut it down. There are stuff... Not banned from the platform again. Uh, there are stuff that US sanction system can do and they, they have control of over US entities. Especially we're talking about exchanges. Mm -hmm. Binance effectively banned all Iranian transactions and... Uh, it doesn't matter if you live overseas or not. This is, uh, I'm, I'm quoting one of the conversation with their uh, support that if you're Iranian by blood, you can't use our services. Exchanges are centralized. It's a saying in computer security that your whole system is as secure as your third party. Mm -hmm. Centralized exchanges are the third party in Web3. Mm -hmm. If you are worried or... If you are affected, like people who are living in countries that have been sanctioned, decentralized exchanges 
work a lot better. I personally believe in financial freedom. I believe a lot of the unpleasant stuff that's happening in the world is the result of people being left behind economically and financially. And I think with better access, the world is going to be a better place. That's why I support and I am optimistic about the future of the cryptocurrencies and the NFT market. I might add to that uh, just by saying, I guess it's about sort of ownership of things. And in a sense, reals, for example, we don't own them. And um, they depreciate just by the fact that print, just print as much as the people that control the inflation, as in people that are printing the money or deciding how many numbers appear on the screen, that just devalues it. And you, you know, further down the line, you get hit more by inflation. I do disagree with you because unpleasant things around the world happen because unpleasant things happen because people do unpleasant things. Now, I think we all believe in free market. Yeah. And uh, the more the government is not involved in a market, the better it flourishes and more opportunities arise, less corruption, still unpleasant things happen. Uh, I'm going I'm to give you an example. Uh, and it's going to be a political example. Now, we have Taliban. Coming the back. Taliban. The Taliban. Yeah. I personally think the reason why such a horrendous force returns to power after about 20 years of being dormant is people of Afghanistan do not enjoy the fruits of this huge technology and economic advantage uh, of the time that we're living in. So when, when people feel left behind, they regress back to conservatism. And many people do not want to see that and get surprised and shocked. One of the reasons of the set disillusionment with institutions and governments is they are unable or unwilling to distribute the fruit of the free market and the economic progression that we have experienced in the last hundred years. And I agree with you, people do shitty things. Sometimes people are shitty, but more opportunities, more money to go around, better education, better healthcare, and you see less evil in the world. It's funny because, I mean, early on in the recording, you said the people from right and left all along the spectrum, they are attracted to this decentralized blockchain-based systems one way or another. And now I kind of realize that because I don't share your Marxist views, but I still <laughs> uh, <laughs> still I agree with you. Um, and I don't share, David, your annoying views, but uh, I do agree with you on fiat money because basically these notes we carry, they are basically IOU notes because the money is owned by the government or the monarch or whoever that is sitting in the place of a monarch. So it's based on gold. It is supposed to be backed by gold. Not anymore. But not anymore. Yeah. So basically, it's not even an IOU money. It's, sorry, IOU notes. Yeah. So it's basically I, just... I mean, it's it's a, again, it's an episode in itself. But, but I think it goes back to what you were saying. I think we're all on the same page here by saying a free market. The free market mechanism, uh, I think, mm -hmm. is, is a central point here. So free market of the money, as yeah. in not being restricted. Uh, and that come and that happens both inside the nation and outside, as Absolutely. we were saying, relative to sanctions. And I'm sure, yeah, with free flowing, the the ability for people to freely interact, to freely trade, uh, as we see in Iran, we really don't have that ability, and we're seeing it shrunk continually. 
I would argue, and I'm sure Mohammed will spit in my face, but uh, that happens more so from outside of the country. Not particularly helped in any way by inside of the country. Uh, who's uh, Maybe they're all in cahoots. Oh, okay. bold statement. Anyway. <laughs> One of the reasons distribution makes people uncomfortable when, when we're looking at uh, left-leaning views of the market and the society is, uh, and you mentioned, I do not consider myself as a Marxist, and I'm pretty sure Marxists do not do not consider me as a Marxist. But yeah, from this side of the spectrum, you do look like a Marxist. Yeah, but then I guess. Again, if you you just like it depends on how right are you standing. Well, <laughs> if you bunched, probably on your bunched your hair and took your glasses off. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, when, when you leave the distribution in the hands of the state, mm-hmm things could go bad real fast. And we've seen that in Cuba, we've seen that in Soviet Union, we've seen that all over the spectrum. Mm. But uh, computers do a better job, just like they do a better job at driving. People are shitty drivers. And I, I can't understand for the life of me why, how long it took for everyone to realize that, I mean, in, in Iran, for example, we have about, I'm not sure if the number is correct, I have it in my head, what 20,000 casualties of driving accidents per year that's not far off from what i imagine it would be can i can i fuck that philosophy up a little bit by just adding because because i'm all on board don't get me wrong like you know brilliant people sitting being like cattle essentially behind the wheel just turning turning the steering wheel and just uh, i think it's stupid but it freaks me out to think that there are computers running things because it's like Somebody hacks that shit. There's car crashes happening all over the shop. And that freaks me out more. Whereas everyone individually has has a sort of self-preservation or whatever. And therefore we're all mutually safe by each other's self-preservation. But when it's a computer, whoops, something got hacked. Thousand people died today. The stats were probably even up by terrorist activities. Dude, that how much me out. do you trust your self-preservation? I don't. I, I trust other people's self-preservation. They're not going to crash into me. <laughs> so I think because the, the same thing happened when carriages were replaced with, with cars. Uh, people felt really threatened with these giant hunks of metal demons. But, <laughs> uh, but that's true. But uh, the thing uh, is well, Sorry, uh, before you say metal demons, name of my next metal band. Please go ahead. <laughs> there you go. You heard it first. You heard it first. Yeah. Exclusive. Exclusive here on Ask an Iranian. Yeah. Moving from horses to steam power or combustion engine, I don't think it can be compared to moving from human intelligence to artificial intelligence. People deciding how to distribute things using computers or based on calculations done by computers is a different thing than computers deciding distribution mechanisms or any of the other decision-making thingies. A friend of mine a while back asked me, uh, what would I think the optimal future of the humankind would be? And I said, having less bugs than we have right now. I mean, if, if we look at ourselves as systems, we have evolved and uh, Elias Ryotkowski really delves in into this idea of AI versus human or AI-assisted human decision-making uh, in his book, uh, Rationality from AI to Zombies, which is a really interesting read. What he says in the book and what I do agree with is evolution has been shitty. It has not been 
a smart process. It did not have our best interest as a species in mind. For example, we drink or we eat or we play video games and some of us end up dead doing this stuff. And if we were to believe there was a smart sort of evolution going on, there should not be things like this happening. So things like the blockchain or artificial intelligence, self-driving cars, any kind of technology, electricity, cars in particular, steam engines, they help, they save us from ourselves. And again, if I want to reference another writer, uh, Noah Yuval Harari in his book, Homo Deus, uh, talks about us becoming human 2.0 with less bugs and less issues and evolving beyond things like having to just work nine to five nonstop jobs for basic human necessities. And I think the world, the world after that is going to be a really exciting world because I believe that diversity is the sole source of human innovation. The more people you have who can afford to come up with better ideas and better technologies, you have better things for everyone. That's why I'm, I'm a big advocate for taking away those decisions that we are not still fully capable of making in a good way for a common good. Taking away or decreasing our role in it, having a fail-safe mechanism, like a autopilot. Uh, if, if we didn't have autopilots, who knows how many aircraft incidents we would be experiencing every year. So I think it's arguably much less because there would be far less capable pilots. So we would have less air travel. We would have less air travel. And uh, your rant <laughs> was really touching. I'm pretty sure Karl Marx is smiling up at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was really rude, Mohammed. What? Pointing out that Karl Marx is in hell? <laughs> that as well. <laughs> no, I do understand what you're saying, but evolution is messy. Evolution is not necessarily smart. If you're talking about a smart design, again, you are moving towards authoritarian. I get, I get where you're going screen. with this. Yeah. I, I get where you're going. And if with you're this. talking about like people not making decisions for themselves as individuals or as society or as a society, again, authoritarian. And if you look at human beings because you mentioned if we look at our, ourselves as a system ourselves as in a collective or individuals because then again authoritarian authoritarianism is one of those bugs that i mentioned i i, I think we should overcome if we want to get to human 2.0 mm. authoritarianism is a product of fear fascism is a product of fear when a collective or a person becomes insecure enough or afraid enough to lose hold on the status quo, it will become an authoritarian state or a fascist state. And that's one of the bugs of the human race. So if you put someone or a party in power, eventually, doesn't matter what ideology they have, doesn't matter what uh, they believe in or where they come from, they're going to make life miserable for a lot of people. Now. A computer system, as much as a computer system is involved in that process of decision-making, because it does not have our insecurities and fears and doubts and needs, per se, it would not face that kind of Terminator shit that we envision. Because when, when we talk about AI or when we talk about God, we project 
our fears, our shortcomings on them. But it doesn't have to be so. We can create. And I think it comes from that old idea that we are the best thing that life has to offer to this world, uh, human-centric vision per se. And it's really hard for us to uh, accept that we need help from a not self-conscious agent to make better decisions. But it's working. It's working right now. It's working in the financial markets. It's working in the government. It's working in behavioral economics. I forgive you calling me old. <laughs> I don't know about David. But um, yeah, I don't want to drag the conversation much longer. But then again, artificial intelligence and computers, they don't make the mistakes we make. They don't have insecurities. We do. But then again, they don't have our emotions or feelings. And they do not understand our needs. We can make them. Let evolution do its work. I absolutely don't disagree with you on AI. Technology on its own is neither good or bad. I see more harm in things like universal basic income than good. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, than benefits. I, I think if there was one thing that the current Pope and I would agree on is the basic universal income. And oh. the, for the sole reason that I mentioned, the more people have the chance to not worry about basic stuff, healthcare, education, food, shelter, the more people we have who come up with new ideas. There was this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's okay to mention Tim Ferriss. If it's not Ask an Iranian, you can't mention. <laughs> okay. So Tim Ferriss. Tim okay. Ferriss uh, interviewing the founder of Spotify. Mm. And he said, the reason why we have so many good musicians in Sweden and the reason why I was able to create Spotify is there's no shame and there's no legal barrier in receiving long-term unemployment. So as a young person who's out of the college or still in college, you don't have to worry about that stuff if you want to create. Comparing to our situation in Iran, that sounds like a utopia. Comparing to the situation of a college student in the United States, sounds like a utopia. But experience shows, and I have felt this personally in my life, that the times that I didn't have to worry about the day-to-day -day needs being met, I was extremely more creative. I was able to succeed above and beyond what I thought I was capable of. And that is my major reason, um, a pragmatic reason for advocating basic universal income. You put different people in similar situations, they react differently. Yep. So things that happen in Sweden or Norway, they don't necessarily happen in Pakistan. So not only me, I'm sure our audience would also want to know numbers. Let's talk numbers. Okay. We said how many items you have in NFT, if you wish, but, um, you know, how much is it going to cost someone? Now, I don't feel so rude in asking that question because it's publicly available. In fact, I can just look right now and, and we can see precisely what you've sold, uh, how much. Now, one uh, of your collections, which, which I really enjoyed because the Orientalist in me is that way inclined, the Ajam. Uh, and it is a series of what looks like oriental figures yep. framed almost like in a card-like arrangement with a very psychedelic uh, rotating colored background yeah exactly aside from the name of the collection uh <laughs> that's ajam acid right acid ajam acid ajam yeah okay. it's called uh acid ajam and 
it uh, it was inspired by Persian miniature paintings, mm-hmm. and I I try to refrain from using Persian miniature because miniature painting is this really interesting practice in which the cultures of India, uh, what was known as China back then, and Iran and these Turkic states, all come and fuse together. Mm. So it, it's culturally and in the context of where we live now, it's a really interesting thing to uh, dig up. And w- there was this one night that we were watching this documentary about how LSD came about. Mm-hmm. It goes that people used to store grains for a long time. And the earliest re- records we have of LSD-like compounds, which we'll get to, is 3,500 years ago okay. in Babylon. There's this parasite that grows on uh, different grain crops called ergot. Okay. Ergot has been known as a remedy to midwives and alchemists and witches and herb doctors. But in the 50s, this doctor called Hoffman begins to purify and synthesize it, creating lysergic acid, which is known as LSD, results in great hallucinogenic trips. I wondered, and my dear wife as well, and we talked about this, people were tripping on acid for 3,500 years, Mm. but we don't have any visual records, any direct visual records. I mean, you see some of those paintings, old-timey paintings, they're trippy as fuck. But we try to create this dynamic in which a character for these old miniature paintings, usually done by Reza Abbasi in Iran or Behzad, is tripping and is set in a contemporary context, be it New York or Moscow or London or Tehran. And it has enjoyed its own small fandom and we have sold a few pieces. It was the first project that we did together. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. It's a completely new experience to create an artistic project with someone you love. Uh, it's challenging and we spent a lot of time on working on it, creating it, offering it to the NFT Twitter because the main platform basically for those who want to get into the biz is Twitter. Mr. The Night Watcher, I have a question that still remains. Show me the money. Show oh, me the money. The money. Okay. So, so I'm bringing, I'm trying to bring it up, but there's reasons why I'm struggling to get things uh, up in front of me at the moment. That has but, nothing uh, to do with age, I assure you. Yeah. Yes. The most expensive piece I've sold so far was 0.09 ETH, okay. as in Ether. Right now, it's about $390. Okay. That's the most expensive that we have sold so far. Of course, people are doing a lot better than that, but we are happy with what we get. God bless. That's great. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. But um, yeah, I'm just looking at this. Uh, there's the Dream Rapture series, which yep. is another series, which I believe was made by Wifey, more so than you. Am I right? With yeah, that? yeah. She is the mastermind behind Dream Rapture. Now, where I'm going with all of this is that, you know, we didn't just call you here just to learn about this stuff. We already know about this stuff. No, we uh, brought you here to, uh, <laughs> not to enlighten the audience, God, no. No, because uh, because we want you to help us out in setting up our own NFTs. Awesome. Sure. Now, while you guys were sort of having a little philosophical moment that probably won't make its way to the final edit, yeah. uh, it looked like David here was being a little bit disinterested. Now, okay. that's true. I was disinterested. But <laughs> the 
same time, at the same time, I was setting us up on foundation.app, yep. which now, if anyone in the audience wants to set themselves up on foundation.app, good bloody luck. <laughs> it just took me however long it took for you guys to shoot the shit, yeah. to set that up. Now, my was probably getting all the notifications of failed sign-ins at the same time. <laughs> well, did you get those? No. Okay, good. Uh, so I've managed to set us up on foundation.app. I don't think you're also on foundation. Yeah, yeah. You are? Oh, no, you are. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Now, I picked foundation over the alternative, which is openc.io, uh, which I think you're more sort of involved in, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Only because a function of auction that I've noticed that I didn't notice on OpenSea.io. Both of them have it. Oh, really? Okay. So it's more prevalent or seemingly more to the eye on that. Muhammad and I, prior to you arriving, were discussing how we would, or what we would put as NFTs. So something that I mentioned to Muhammad back in the day was about the closing music. Now we commissioned it and we need to discuss with the person that we commissioned it with to, uh, to see whether he's okay. And then we can work out a distribution arrangement with that. Or but just dick him off and do it anyway. There is that, yeah. yeah. He never he yeah, shit hits the fan. Uh, <laughs> an incident in the Iranian NFT space happened like that. Uh, a rapper tried to sell off the album cover. The guy who did the album cover was not oh. having it. So he went and put it out and made a scene about it on Twitter. So actually, the original artist made a good sale, but the rapper oh. got a PR hit. Now, hmm. Mr. The Night Watcher, you've given ideas to Ario, who yeah. created the music. But he oh, never well, listens. I don't really think he worried. listens anyway, so yeah, fine, he, we can beat him. Well, into it. firstly, he doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah. Second, the guy's skinny. We can take <laughs> we can take him on. You yeah. and I. Yeah. I mean, if he was if he was a little bit larger, you and I probably wouldn't. Yeah, take probably him. would. Was out. <laughs> There's nothing more worth it. <laughs> um, in all honesty, we were going to discuss that with him. We've been in contact with him, but he hasn't responded. Something that we do invest a lot of time and sort of creative effort into, which is everything we do, obviously, but something that could oh. be sort of NFT beyond the actual audio that we have uh, would be our covers. Uh, we thought that we would put these out for purchase as Let's NFTs with a sort of like, uh, what's the term again? I always forget it. The residual uh, income. Residual income mm -hmm. as well. What do you think? Good idea? Bad idea? Yeah, of course it's a good idea. It depends on what, what you're in for. If you're in it for money. Shit ton of money. Um, Fame? Maybe. Girls? Maybe not. Boys maybe? Good. I'll take anything. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take an armpit. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, Getting to know the ropes in the space, it's a lot more valuable than anything else you get from it. I mean, you could get a couple of hundred dollars for something, but getting involved with the space and this huge perspective of different opportunity that it brings, the ROI is through the roof. So yeah, you can put it up. I'm sure a lot of people love the show enough to invest in it and buy the NFTs, but when you get into it, and one of the things I think we didn't get to discussing is above everything else that we said about NFTs, these are the building blocks of Metaverse. They're not going anywhere. They're here and people are going to dig through them like they dig through a box of old records hmm. to find hidden treasures. So anything you think you should put up, put it up, set up a wallet, try, see how it works, try collecting, try selling, and 
you'll love it. It's it's worse than heroin. Oh, yeah. thanks for the warning. Well, <laughs> as I say, setting up, I actually, there were two options for associated wallets with foundation. One of them I just couldn't go anywhere with, and the other one, something related to a fox. <laughs> we'll put, obviously, we'll put all the links to these, and who knows, if I've got the hosselaire, if I've got the mood for it, I'll probably try and describe the headache that you're about to have if you want to try and sign up, because it's a little bit... I can give a short version of the sign-up procedure. Obviously, individually, each of these places have their own procedure. What I'm saying is, it's a bit complex for me who's kind of familiar with tech stuff. There's only Um, one real choice for anyone who's not in US at the moment, in my opinion, and that's MetaMask. Which is the one that I've successfully signed up uh, with at the moment. So what advice would you have for us in putting this artwork through? Because we will obviously continue using them as album covers on online but if we stick them as an nft are we going to have a problem as far as like hang on a minute we can no longer use them as not at all not at all you can put them up you can add unlockable content the unlockable content can be your audio episodes uh and uh, you chose foundation and unlockable content i'm more familiar with on OpenSea, but you can put up your audio put up your bloopers everything that you want and fans can collect them okay major issues the first one you mentioned is setting up at this stage it's not really user-friendly you have to have a bit of a techie background to get involved but it's getting better it's getting a lot better Mm -hmm. Uh, people are working on it to make it more accessible the second stage is which platform to choose now i'm a big fan of OpenSea because it's the largest and uh flow of users and collectors and ethereum coming in and out i think it's like 98 percent on OpenSea and two percent for the rest of the market so market share is huge we already have a wallet with our bitcoin ethereum all the millions of zeros all mm-hmm. next to one another with no number above zero ahead of it but we seemingly weren't able to use that well at least with foundation so Something new needs to be set up. Yeah, both Foundation and OpenSea use MetaMask, and I, th- I think it's the best choice. You would transfer some of your non-existent crypto <laughs> to, <laughs> to your MetaMask wallet uh, to be able to pay the fee. Now, OpenSea has a one-time registration fee, and you can min- mint everything for free after that. Okay. So each time we add an item, we're needing to pay a fee to add the item to foundation? Yes. Okay. Uh, about like 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 ETH, depending on the tra- that The gas fee that 0. I was talking 0. about. 0.4? Yeah. That's kind of pricey. It's yeah. pricey. So if you are trying to get familiar with this space... OpenSea is a better option. OpenSea is a better option. And that's why I began with OpenSea. But for foundation, every time you want to mint... And it makes it a bit more curated. Uh, because it's harder to mint. Yeah. So people who are really certain of their audience mint over there. And the people who can afford it, me personally, I can't yet. So I, I would say go with OpenSea for what you want to do. Have you seen any other sort of podcasters use the space in that way for NFTs? Cover? No. Not yet. But like audio content, probably. Audio content, musicians, comic strips, hmm. movies even. There you go. We can be the first, my man. Yeah. That's it. We're I mean, not, though. Most podcasters don't make an individual image for every episode. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, some do. 
there are creators who have some things like podcasts, like shows, mm. as well as NFT. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. My point is that we're not going to be the first ones to do it. I think trying to be people. the first is futile. You just got to be great at what we do. You're great at what you do. Both of you are. Have you seen what I do? <laughs> like all of it? Usually. <laughs> I do nothing. <laughs> okay, what are we not asking about with respect to our new future as NFT, sort of Iranian NFT art podcasty people? Iranian we, art. We've got to get more info out of them at the moment. Come on, we've got to drag it out. Like, okay, no, yeah. how do we do it and make more money? How do we make more money? Have you thought <laughs> about pricing? Yes. I was saying 2.5 Ethereum for each cover. Oh, you're going to have a hard time selling that. No, I think bitches don't want to spend that much money, then screw them. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're worth. Go big or go home. Ever since I started making art, pricing was an issue. But I I experiment with it, read about it. There are different pricing conventions in different spaces in painting, traditional art, photography, NFTs. Now, I know how the Iranian mind works here. You add a few zeros to something and Iranians want it more. And the thing is, culturally, we have not been in the mindset of abundance for a long time. That's why it's tough to sell things like abstract art or NFTs here. doesn't matter how rich you are. When you're feeling threatened every day, it's not easy to pay for leisure or technology for, or visions. I look north in Tehran and I just see bling, bling, bling. They could use their money better, in my humble opinion garish purchases yeah i mean louis the 16th don't have that shit in his chateau <laughs> oh, i i don't understand the, the obsession with baroque and oh, late don't, baroque don't. Uh, <laughs> furniture i mean and this is going off topic again no shit <laughs> <laughs> the the iranian higher middle class was introduced to luxury with French goods. Uh, now we're talking about like late 19th century to the early 20th century. So it has become stuck in the subconscious, what, what we call tajestil, mobile tajestil, like garish. Yeah. So can we see the Iranian, uh, you know, hoi polloi? Will they be uh, printing or at least getting woven? The NFTs will be woven on rugs and then put up on a wall. Oh, the rock thing, we, we already have it. We, the, the rock thing is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's the easiest thing to come up with. But I don't see the FOMO reaching the financial elite of the country yet. By the way, NFT north of fucking Tehran. Huh. You missed go. that one. <laughs> oh, that was what we didn't add on the question. Speaking of which, we get to the questions that we put out to the audience. And at the moment... Somebody's going to have to edit this episode and it's going to be a right bastard. So so we put it out to the audience um, and you can pretty much guess the answer. So we had uh, five questions as per usual. First one was, ever heard of NFTs? What do you think? Our Iranian audience, do you think they're going to have a good familiarity of NFTs? Um, I think think more than um, a lot of people expect. Yep, 78%. Were yes to that. And then uh, we just asked them to break it down uh, with a question of what it stands for. Non nune fantasia topol, not for Taurus. 
Something to do with NAFT. That sounds weirdly sexual. Fungible tokens. Yeah, weird way. Maybe they all are. Well, Nuna Fantasy, by the way, is basically Baguette. anything not Iranian. It's French. Again, our it's collective subconscious equates luxury hmm. with Frenchness. We yeah, fantasy as in fantasy, fantasy yeah. is not French necessarily. But it's baguette. It's no any any sort of bread that, that is, that not, is not, not Iranian, like toast bread, is known as fantasy. I thought it was something to do with the process. Because normally no for me, the shipbread is fantasy. So we had like Nuna Irani or Nuna fantasy. Oh, well, baguette so is a subcategory of Nuna fantasy. No, initially when it was introduced, it was only baguette. And then the category evolved into like croissants and stuff. But again, because That's, most of the yeah. boulangerie is French. Peu de merde. So... Oh, the Nuna fantasy. Yeah, people mostly got it correct. And a few people were joking with us. Uh, about Nuna Fantasia Topol or, or something to do with naft. <laughs> naft is oil, by the way. Yeah. Topol so, is fat. <laughs> noon is bread. Fantasy is fantasy. Exactly. <laughs> so moving on to question number three. We asked the audience, Iranian art is this good? And by this good, we had a sliding scale with a fire. On Just fire. mean like you got a put Iranian art on fire as in some might say that that's the best thing to do good for I burning say that. or is that that's hot. isn't that just a nationalist bait or that <laughs> yeah all <laughs> we that. do I mean the title of this podcast is concerned about so, nationalist bait so you know well, I'll mention that anymore okay <laughs> so on social media I see that Iranians like to give compliments to how good something is by adding the fire uh, yeah. emoji after I so I added that. that I would say that this is up to the 80% level most most Iranians seem to be quite confident about the Self greatness of Iranian art. Do you think uh, they're full of it? I think art is really ambiguous to define. And each person who voted would have a different idea about what good art stands. Again, the conversation me and Mohammed had about Pollock. Um, you have different tastes and it, it relates to your life experience about what good art is and what good art should be what purpose does art serve so if you ask someone is art good pretty much everyone would say yes mm. but if you bring up a particular schools of art or particular works of art then the debate gets heated let's not get heated uh, with that Mohammed, i want hmm. you if you can to help us out here and read some of the responses to the fourth of the five questions. We don't need to get to number five because it all is, is send audio. And did people send audio? No, we didn't give them enough time. So number four of five would be what's great about Iranian art? We want to know specifically what's great about it. Mohammed, what's great about Iranian art? Well, the first answer I'm reading is really interesting. Or is Udarvishi copying Western art most of the time, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Fair comment. Yeah, I mean, some of the art that we consider as great, such as Kamal al-Mulk, the work of Kamal al-Mulk, a lot of Saqqa it's basically localization of Western art, but I, I don't blame them. I mean, uh, we have lived in a bubble for a long time. And I would say the greatest thing about Iranian art is, given the circumstances, it has been resilient. I keep becoming surprised uh, seeing how many young people are passionate about making art with no financial incentive, with none whatsoever state 
backed sponsorship or anything. And if it weren't for these kind of people, we wouldn't have and we would have propaganda. We wouldn't have art. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, yeah, actually, I do agree with you. I kind of like the fact it's not state sponsored. I think that makes it better. It, <laughs> it's there is a well, gray area uh, from what what you were what we were discussing about mm -hmm. my money laundering and stuff. There is like explicitly state sponsored art, which is basically propaganda. And there's this gray area, and there was this interesting incident. I don't know if you want to keep it in the podcast or not. An Iranian artist in France created a homoerotic illustration on a Pekon. And it was supposed to be shown in this art fair in Paris. A bunch of Iranian galleries cited physical threat upon return. Oh, wow. And said that... If uh, we participate in this event, we won't participate un unless the, the artwork is pulled off. And we have we have Iranian diaspora making really original and daring art, hmm. and we have people inside the country making original and daring art. But most of what is being paid for is either state-sponsored or in the gray area of harmless. I'm doing air quotes. Art. Okay. So. <laughs> So just one-ended air uh, quote, right-handed. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Oh, we can say Furcast podcast that says Nachshoya Eslimi. Which translates to... Eslimi is like... Islamic them, geometric designs. Those little taily... forget what we call them in English. Islamic Paisley. Paisley. Paisley is the pattern. One of them is Paisley. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. We, got, we got Damask. We got Paisley. Oh, my God. That, like so Hannah... HBR says it's history. That's what's great about Iranian art. Barbak, friend of ours. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's history, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, but what's happening right now, I, I think it's a lot more complex and interesting than what happened before. Right. Uh, hey, Pedram. Hi. Thanks. Hello, Pedram. You're never going to listen to the show. A friend of mine. He's never okay. going to listen to this. <laughs> but anyway, he said, the irony. That's what's great about Iranian art. Now, I don't, I don't know whether he's being serious with that. I think he is. Well, I know Pedram is involved in the kind of commercial pop art scene. He has a shop. Hmm. Anyway, what does Miss Happy De want to say, Mohammad? Honar nazde Iranian bas is a definitely bullshit. No, I didn't so Honar as the Iranian as the best, that means... It means that basically art is only with Iranians and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds eerily like early 20th century. <laughs> yeah. Now, right. Mohammed, you forgot the qualifying emoji, which is excessive laughter emoji. Yeah. Uh, oh, ironically. Think, yes. Somewhat sort of, yeah, it was like, haha, I was joking. But uh, is this next person joking when they say carpet? Yeah. What's great about Iranian art carpet? No emoji to qualify whether that's a joke mm. or not. Let's assume that they were serious. So, Nazion 8, I think she means rugs, or he. <laughs> so, Asal H, women with very pretty eyebrows. And now, I think that is referring to the Minakaris, or not the Minakaris, what's the old Persian sort of monobrow artwork that was there for a while? Late Pre miniature Qajar, painting. Yeah, Qajar miniature painting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's this Iranian diaspora artist, very well known, selling quite well, Ali Sabet, 
who does a fresh take of that kind of thing. Uh, that's my my read on it. But representation of women, interestingly, has been a seminal part of Iranian art even until now. Mm. Even considering the barriers, I think it's very prevalent these days. Women in Iranian art sells better, right? Sells better. Yeah, the Orientalism is there. I mean, when you look at the first post-revolution diaspora artists anywhere, I mean, not just Iran, anywhere in Middle East, the Kharijis would love to have that uh, stereotype of subversive shaytun yeah. com- community reaffirmed. Yeah, I, I see a market with that. Uh, next up, details, reality. Amir Fassi. Amir Fassi. Mm. Or oh, details, yeah. comma, reality. Reality. Uh, details and reality? Yeah, why not? Why he not? said in disbelief. <laughs> then uh, the gift uh, says it's incredibly rich. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if all of us fully agree, but <laughs> let's move on. Ida Ashtari. Ida's paintings. Now she's an artist. Yeah. She does very abstract paintings yeah and there is yeah. this fuck and emoji and the uh, the, uh, the seal emoji yeah. after that it's a fat fuck <laughs> fuck is French yeah <laughs> but uh, that was quite funny so obviously someone is uh, doing a shout out to their own artwork there Give I, th- I think the artists deserve it people go buy art it makes you laugh better there you go hmm. don't got food haven't got a roof over your head struggling in the cold weather an NFT is going to save the day. Oh, I thought the target audience for this podcast is B+. Yeah, look north, look north. It's all north. No, they're all... It's a fucking terror. Yeah. Mr. The Nightwatcher, you've got an opportunity now to plug yourself even more. Where are people going to find you? How oh. are they going to get involved and throw down some ether for you? Yeah, go to Ekbatan at night. Look look me up. Look around. <laughs> now, I, I got too old for that shit. Unfortunately, I still love to do it. Uh, I may do it if I end up somewhere in which doing it is not a threat to my life and safety. But I'm old, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm not laughing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. I I, I see your expression. (laughs) You can look me up on Twitter at underline nightwatcher underline. You can... Look me up on Instagram, the Nightwatcher underline. Also, the links are available on the bios, both Instagram and Twitter. You can see all of our collections on OpenSea and Tezos. And check them out. Create your own stuff. Sell your own stuff. Collect other people's stuff. Collect David and Muhammad's podcast NFTs. If, if we ever get around to, to do it, yeah. Out. I hope you do. I can help you out with setting up. Cheers. And yeah, that's the spirit of the community. Creativity solves a lot of stuff. Basic universal income solves a lot more. Oh, we're back there now. <laughs> well, I thought we well, edited that part. We'll out. get to it off the record, physically. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank Ooh. you. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. yeah, we're having an orgy after this. So, orgy of philosophical. Philosophical, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Did you know platonic love, contrary to popular belief, is basically about fucking enough people so you will come to love you everyone fuck your You're, you out <laughs> fuck your romance. ego <laughs> you out fuck your ego yeah. and you love everyone hmm. i'll give it a go i'll give it a go um We're, i think some of us are in the process i wish you good luck so thanks ever so much 
So thank you ever so much for giving us your time today and explaining to the audience about NFTs, about Web 3.0, about your NFT projects, your wife's NFT projects as well. And uh, yeah, and helping us out, getting a little bit of understanding of how we can set ourselves up with uh, NFTs to join yeah. what seems to be uh, the future Am I going to listen back to this one day and say like, ha, <laughs> or like, oh, so on the money. Uh, what, well, yeah, could be the future, not just for art, but as we discussed for things like gaming. Yes, I'm a gamer. Deal with it. Um, many other things. you call Pokemon Go players gamers, yeah. As, as the metaphor, the he, metaverse. David was a metaverse pioneer. I remember him playing Pokemon Go a long time ago. Anyways, it's been great. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you guys, chatting with you, David and Mohamed. Looking forward to doing it again. We will do. Have a good one. We out. We out. We out. We out. Chodafis. Chodafis. Chodafis.